Today's podcast features Carrie McHugh, who is the executive director of the Duncan Joy in Childhood Foundation. This foundation has created a number of interesting and innovative programs and activities which benefit children who suffer from hunger or illness, including our cause of pediatric cancer. As you will find out during our conversation, Duncan Brands is more than just a coffee, donut, and bagel delight for so many of us around here and nationally on an increasing basis. I hope that you will enjoy this podcast. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to my Help and Hope Happen Here Jimmy Fun podcast, where we bring both help and hope to the cause of pediatric cancer. Today's guest has a very significant significant position at Duncan Brands, which of course is one of the most well-known companies in our area and whose headquarters are located in Canton, Massachusetts. We all know Duncan as being the place to go when you want great coffee and donuts, but what you may not know is that they have a very philanthropic part of their business known as the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation. Here to talk about that foundation and what it means to pediatric cancer patients, it is my pleasure to introduce its executive director, Carrie McHugh. Thank you for coming on my show. It's great to have you. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having for having me. It's a real pleasure to get an opportunity to speak to you. Well, it's equally great for me and my listeners as well. I guess the first question I have is, if you can tell our listeners about the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation, how long has it been in existence, and what is its mission? So Duncan's had a foundation for a long time, um, somewhere, you know, in excess of 10 years. The foundation, as you see it now, the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation, um, has been in existence for about six years. Okay, and, and you've been involved with it since its inception? Yep. So I was actually at Duncan when the foundation was started. Um, I was a part of the uh, original kind of team that came together, the cross-functional team that came together to uh, develop the foundation. But then actually I didn't work on the foundation again for a long time. Um, I would say probably 12 years um, that I didn't work on the foundation. I recently um, became the executive director of the foundation about three years ago. And your main targets seem to be hunger with children, as well as illness, which of course leads to our discussion of pediatric cancer. Is there a certain percentage that your foundation designates for pediatric cancer um, with the program that you're involved with? There isn't. So we don't um, we don't look at uh, our funding in terms of illnesses. Um, or in terms of uh, certain percentages to one or the other. We have two main focus areas. One is bringing food to kids who are hungry, and the other is bringing joy to kids who are sick. Um, we are we do a lot of our work out of hospitals um, and camps, and, and we do find that uh, quite a bit of funding does end up um, helping kids who have cancer. Um, but we don't designate kind of in advance what percentage that would be. I can tell you that, um, you know, the, the percentage is significant in terms of number of kids because kids who have cancer are in the hospital for long periods of time um, and tend to go through uh, periods that are, you know, really up and down, so can, can take advantage of a lot of programs. So as Duncan, Duncan Brands expands 
you know, obviously you should just be a regional company located in Massachusetts, New England. Are there hospitals all the time across the country that you're now getting involved with that say a number of years ago you would not be involved with? Well, I think we're making, we make hospital relation, new hospital relationships all the time. Um, it's based a little bit on our programming. So I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but, um, you know, the Dogs for Joy program, for example, um, as people apply for grants, we create relationships with um, hospitals really across the country. Um, it's not specific to uh, one region or, you know, where our stores are. Um, we do tend to focus in areas that we have more restaurants just because our employees are there and, um, and we have a geographic presence. But the reality is that the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation is a public charity and is actually independent. So it's a 501c3 corporation. And my guess is that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I wouldn't say the word infancy of the program, but but with everything expanding, you know, your name getting out in the whole country, this is something that is hopefully going to continue to grow as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, I, we continue to, the more money we raise, the more money we give. Um, we've definitely gotten a lot bigger over the last few years as our fundraising has significantly expanded. Um, and, you know, we're pretty committed to give uh, as much as possible every year. Okay, so the fundraising that, that you're doing, you've got a number of different programs, different a number of different initiatives that you are involved with, have been involved with. I guess the first one I'd like to ask you about is the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Can you explain what that camp is and what role uh, your foundation has played in it? Uh, so I personally have a real soft spot for the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. I think it's really... I think it's a magical place. Um, any camp who has a slogan that it's a place where kids can raise a little hell is um, is good by me. So the hole in the wall camp is uh, there are several of them across the country, or several kind of um, uh, in partnership across the country. But the the main one is in Connecticut. It is a camp where kids who are ill um, can go and have a regular camp experience. So they certainly have weeks for pediatric cancer. Um, so kids who have cancer can come and, you know, kids who are in treatment, kids who need platelet transfusions. Um, they really, they rarely deny kids um, because their illness is too significant, which is a pretty incredible, uh, if you think about it. Um, they have uh, oncologists on staff for those weeks. They have nurses. They, they really can handle a whole gamut of issues and try to create an experience of normalcy, um, which is which is pretty amazing. Uh, they are, for the um, Joy and Childhood Foundation, they are one of our um, grantees. Um, we've been giving money to them for the last, I think, probably five or six years. Um, and really, you know, they have a, a real soft spot in our heart. Well, it's, you know, Paul Newman was the founder of the camp, I believe, and it's free. So uh, for the campers. So that's two great benefits, Paul Newman being the icon and no cost. But it must be a, you know, a difficult, you know, I mean, camp to run because you've got so many different 
type of illnesses, so many, so many issues. Now, I, I, I did read that you uh, that they actually do chemotherapy at the camp. So you obviously have got, as you mentioned, oncologists. How do, do, does anybody go to the camp for, let's say, eight weeks, or does it split depending on the type of illness someone has? So um, it's it's uh, the weeks are designated. Each week designates the uh, is designated to an illness. Kids go for I think it's five days, um, and then there's a sibling week. So I, there's typically one or two weeks designated to cancer. Um, I think the camp actually runs for 14 weeks, so significantly longer than normal, um, just because a lot of these kids aren't in school. And then they are different diseases because one of the things, they also do have weeks that are mixed diseases, but one of the things that they um, offer is an opportunity for kids to interact with other kids who have similar issues. Um, well, that's great, obviously, because, you know, you, I can just imagine the loneliness that these kids feel, no matter, you know, their parents obviously support them, but still you have to live with yourself on a daily basis. Now, is it, they're there, as you say, to really, you know, to have a good time and not to, you know, feel the, the world of the weight on their shoulders for the time that they're there. But my question is, if, if a child is too ill, even if he's not hospitalized, is there some sort of a limit uh, on whether he could actually, he or she can actually attend the camp depending on how he or she is feeling? So I, these are probably questions that are best for hole in the wall. Um, my experience with them is that if your doctor will let you, they will, <laughs> they'll figure it out. Um, I will, they also have great programs that are in hospitals. So even at Boston Children's and at Dana-Farber, uh, it's called HOP, um, the Hospital Outreach Program. And then they have an additional program where they go into people's homes, actually. So people who are uh, kids who are homebound and they'll go in and do programs with the families. Well, I've had two of my friends have volunteered at the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp for several summers I also was talking to someone actually uh, involved with um, Children's Hospital, who I'm going to be speaking with down the road. And she also, uh, for three years, was at the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. And she said the exact same thing as you, that she has such a soft spot for that, you know, for that, uh, that program. So it's, it's really something uh, very, very special. I'll tell you, even a couple of the Dana-Farber nurses um, met their husbands at Hole in the Wall when they were volunteering. Well, it's well, what a great place to meet, to, to meet someone. Absolutely. Now, the next program, which is a big one for you, would be your Dogs for Joy program. Can you explain that? Because it's obviously unique. So uh, Dogs for Joy program uh, was launched last year. It is... Um, it was created after um, many interviews with patients, um, parents, doctors, palliative care specialists, um, to try to understand what things bring joy and, and what, what things bring joy to kids who are ill that have a lasting impact. Um, and we, in that research, we came up with a couple things, a couple programs. 
um, you know, based on themes that uh, resonated in the interviews. And one of them was really around pet therapy um, and, you know, volunteer dogs. Once uh, we kind of nailed down on that, we started to look to figure out what we could do with dogs um, and discovered this really incredible um, set of, you know, somewhat cutting edge programming where dogs weren't visiting pediatric hospitals, dogs actually are living in pediatric hospitals. So you take a, uh, a, a, tra- a dog that's been trained to, to do this kind of work, they're all um, service dogs, and that dog lives, um, goes home at night with a primary and secondary parent, usually it can be a doctor, it can be a chaplain, a, a child life specialist, um, and the dog comes to work every day and typically works either on the same floor or in the same practice. Um, so the kids who, uh, so for example, in Boston Children's, the kids on the sixth floor every day would see the same dog. So if your doctor was, you know, Dr. Mary, then every time Dr. Mary came, Dr. Mary would have her dog with her and that dog becomes a part of the clinical team. So um, it's, yes, offers comfort and and warmth, but also, um, you know, the dogs can help teach a kid how to take a pill or the dogs can um, help uh, uh, walk through a procedure. Um, and so, you know, you do the procedure on the dog, then you do the procedure on the child where you pretend to do it on the dog. Um, or help a kid get out of bed um, or be a part of their um, physical therapy. So there's a whole variety of uh, ways that the dog can really get involved um, in a clinical way. <clears throat> so after discovering this, we married the two ideas. We created Dogs for Joy. We gave about a million dollars last year um, to bring dogs to live in pediatric hospitals. There's what, your a, answer. <laughs> what what a tremendous activity! I mean, for for dogs and and for these kids. I know there's a TV commercial, and I'm trying to remember if if it's Children's Hospital or not that they show a girl in bed, a sick a sick child, yeah. and a dog comes in. And all of a sudden, her uh, face goes from a frown to this biggest smile because, you know, they're just so friendly and they bring so much comfort to these kids. And I'm guessing changing the dialogue. So if things are very stressful in the room, if it's been a hard day, bring in a dog and immediately the whole dialogue and, and focus changes for the parents and the kids. Um, and honestly, uh, we even see hospitals who get them for the nurses. Really? Mm-hmm. That that now, you this this program started not too long ago. I'm guessing this is one that's going to be a major part of your foundation going forward. It's a signature program. Uh, we started it last year, um, and you know I think it'll continue to be a major effort of ours. Hospitals have to be ready. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to convince an infectious disease department that having a dog in the hospital um, is a good idea. Uh, there's certainly, um, there's certainly, uh, it takes some um, looking at the world differently. Um, you have hospitals like Children's Hospital of Atlanta that have, I think at this point, more than 20 dogs at the hospital. Um, and those dogs kind of have been allowed in all through COVID, even when volunteers weren't. But then you have other places that just kind of aren't aren't ready. So I think we'll continue to fund it to the extent that we can find hospitals that are um, interested and willing. 
Well, I would think that with the success rate that, you know, kids have shown when, when, when dogs are, are, are there for them and the happiness it brings, it, it, it would be something that would, would, would definitely grow and be a tremendous thing, really. I think it's great. Yeah, now, to, to, to continue, sorry about that, to continue on this particular part of your program, uh, we need to talk about Cooper Duncan, who is your chief joy officer as well as the Dogs for Joy ambassador. Now he's got a very extensive resume. Um, <laughs> his qualifications definitely beyond reproach. Um, he's also, and he happens to be a trained service dog as the others are. Please describe what Cooper himself does to earn his salary. Keeps our trash cans clean. <laughs> um, so it depends, I mean, it depends a little bit on what we're doing. With COVID things are a bit different. He really is the spokes dog for the program, um, by which I mean he goes to hospitals so people can better understand what kind of work dogs like Cooper can do. Um, he actually does get his picture taken a fair amount, to be honest, and he's good at it. Um, that's one thing about service dogs. They really do become good at the things they're needed to do. Um, he, he, can, he can sit and have his photo taken for extended period. He's... Um, he he also goes to hospitals. Um, actually, he's I, I believe they've completed his certification at Boston Children's and will start to visit. Um, he does live at my he's I'm the primary parent. Um, and so he does live at my house and with COVID. Unfortunately, he's in my house uh, and his secondary parents house uh, most of the time um, and becoming, you know, I'd say he's becoming lazy, but he's actually becoming a little more of a troublemaker. Uh, Discovering he's how to getting, get into those trash cans, no matter what we do. Well, he's getting, you know, he, he knows he's a big personality and, and he's probably getting a little bit bullheaded, maybe. Um, and now to go along with the Dogs for Joy program, you also have a program called the Bark Program, which also seems like a new initiative. Can you explain that to our listeners? So um, the Bark Dog Toys are actually just a fundraising uh, tool. So we are selling, we're actually selling for a donation to the uh, Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation. You can get a gift of a, um, uh, one looks like a coffee cup, it's a squeaky toy. And the other one, it looks like a box of munchkins that if you open up also has toy munchkins on the inside. Um, you can pick them up in Duncan restaurants and the, uh, we're hoping to raise a lot of money um, by people getting excited to get themselves a dog toy. Well, that's great. That's a great initiative. And, and, and how long has that been going on for now? It's been in the restaurant for, I think, like three weeks. Oh, so it's um, a limited time purchase. Um, if somebody's interested in getting one, the best thing to do is to call their local Duncan and see whether or not they still have any available. Now, your teen prom program. I know that you had one of these at the Children's Hospital last year. Are they at other hospitals? And if you could explain that program to us. Say that one more time. The uh, teen prom program. Oh, so the, this is the second thing that came out of our interviews um, was a lack of programming for teens. Um, and the fact that teens are often overlooked when it comes to, um, when it comes to programs that bring joy in the hospital, um, you know, more teddy bears than uh, let's say Nintendo's. So one of the pieces of that was to create um, a prom program, which we piloted last year with Boston Children's at Fenway Park. 
Um, it was a blowout uh, prom experience with, you know, everything you would expect, uh, you know, the DJ, the pink carpet, beautiful gowns, um, no parents, which is, you know, a critical element of any prom. <laughs> um, after piloting that program, we actually uh, announced funding for hospitals. And uh, unfortunately, those hospital proms, we should have had 17 this prom season, um, but they were all put on hold due to COVID. Um, so in some cases, we have redirected that funding for the hospitals, and in others, they've chosen to keep the prom and they'll do it again next year. Um, we, you know, uh, a decision hasn't been made yet, but my guess is that we will offer additional prom funding this year, assuming that it, we get to a position where proms can be handled. Well, hopefully by next spring, they will be, at least some of them maybe, yep. will be able to, to have proms. And again, it, it sounds to me like a program that is obviously in its infancy. So you come up with some really creative initiatives. Now, are you still involved with the music therapy program? So uh, we give to hundreds of nonprofits, and there are uh, there are several of those nonprofits that focus on music therapy. But we don't have a specific um, branded program on for uh, music therapy. And I also read something about a program called the Above Clouds program, which it looks like it takes place at Norwood Airport. Is that something that you're involved with? That's actually, again, a nonprofit that we just make give grants to. Okay, so you're just giving grants. Now, as far as giving grants, how many grants, say, in the, in the last few years have you given out, and how much money have you been able to fundraise, you know, to help this process along? So uh, I, I believe last year we donated about $6 million, um, and we raised about the same. Where do you do most of your fundraising? Is it, you know, through through the franchisees or, or where do you um, say, well, we're going to have a certain percentage of whatever we take in is going to go for this foundation? How does that work? So um, franchisees uh, are incredibly uh, generous and make a significant number of donations to the foundation directly. Um, you know, out of their own um, pocket. We have, uh, we do a fair number of in-store fundraising programs um, or, it, you know, uh, consumer-based fundraising. Uh, we just did the Duncan Joy Run, um, which raised about $200,000 for the foundation. And we also uh, are corporate partners. So um, we have, there are corporations who um, make donations to the foundation as part of our partnerships. Now, you've been at Duncan Brands for 16 years. You've been the Senior Director of Community Relations for almost three years now. How much of what you do now is involved with the foundation? I spend about 50% of my time on the foundation. Um, the foundation also has five full-time staff. And what is your favorite part of being the foundation's executive director? I think it's working to create programs that truly have impact um, and whether it's impact on the lives of kids or impact on hospitals or impact on um, families who don't have access to enough, um, finding ways to uh, grant money that can make a true difference, I think is the best part. And what about the frustrations? 
Has to be uh, some. One thing people don't know is most of what you do in a foundation is you spend most of your time saying no. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, for every na- for every yes is an unfortunate number of no's. Um, and it's frustrating not to be able to kind of give to all the great programs that are out there. Now, September is um, Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. Do you, does, do, does your foundation have anything special planned each, each year for that? Or is it pretty much you just make sure that people are aware of it but you're going to, you, you go along with your regular program. So last year we, uh, we had a really special program with Waze, um, the app that you use to drive and um, created a voice, uh, voice directions from kids who have or have been impacted by um, pediatric cancer. Um, and so you could download that. And for every download, we made a donate, the Duncan company made a donation to the foundation um, and also raised a lot of awareness because people were downloading the app and also hearing these incredibly adorable voices, um, all of which actually came from um, Dana-Farber Boston Children's. Um, along with that, we did a um, we did a campaign to raise awareness of childhood cancer, um, and then made a significant set of donations to camps that um, help kids who have pediatric cancer. Um, this year it's, things are a little bit different. Um, we haven't actually announced, we haven't done our kind of full day of going gold for the brand. Um, but we did, we do have a program going on with fandom at the moment, which is, um, which is an online gaming site. And, uh, based on the number of touchdowns, um, that are scored on this gaming site, you know, through this program, uh, we're giving donations to, um, a program to support pediatric cancer. Oh, that's great. And uh, obviously any, you know, t- today with what's going on with the pandemic and everything, uh, anything that can be raised for pediatric cancer, which is only 1% yep. of all the cancers, uh, you know, uh, that are in the United States, most of them are adult cancers, you know, we can use it. And the innovation and creativity that, you know, you bring to the table is, is, is outstanding. Now, how many of your franchises take place in the foundation and what role do the franchise owners serve? The franchisees are the heart and soul of the foundation without question. There are um, franchisees are, I mean, frankly, they're, they're business owners, they're local community business owners. And we work with the franchisees both to raise money, but also to better understand what programs in their areas they think are really making a difference. So our our franchisees run the gamut from raising money to giving money to um, you know serving on local community um, uh, boards and volunteering. And I would say that 100% of our franchisees are involved with the foundation, uh, as we have programs that happen in store. And um, you know, I, I would say that all that we are an embodiment of the franchisees giving. How much? Um would you say the spirit of, of, of what you do is, is that something that, you know, is sort of company wide in, in your headquarters? Is it a big part of Duncan brands? Oh yeah. I think the foundation, um, I think that those who work at Duncan brands care very much about the work of the foundation. Um, and, you know, really from, um, 
top to bottom, um, you know, help and support us to raise money, to do good, to spread awareness, um, and to kind of, and to make the foundation a part of, um, you know, the living and breathing of the brand. When, when a prospective person wants to work at Duncan Brands, I mean, is that, you know, in any type of an interview or whatever, is that brought out that one of the expectations of the hopes is that eventual employee will want to, you know, take on this role and support the company in, in, in that type of uh, endeavor? Well, I don't think it's quite that tightly knit in. Um, I mean, honestly, the foundation is a public charity and is an independent organization. So I don't think that we could we would make a tie that that strong. Um, I think that uh, prospective employees know that if they understand the brand, they know that the foundation is a part of kind of who we are and know that, that they're going to work for a company that has a big heart. Well, I think that that would make a big difference. And, and as long as obviously they, they know what what the, the mission is, what the message is for the company, um, and they work there, they know it already. And I would say, hopefully, a vast majority, as you said, are involved and, and want to, you know, contribute to this. Yeah. Now, again, you've only been the, you've been the director for three years? I've like been the executive director for three years, I think. Okay. Now, are there, looking down the road, do you think that there are initiatives out there that you have not thought of, that you will think of, and that you really, I mean, you've got some, you know, obviously with, with, with what you're doing now, you've had some great initiatives, but are there others down the road, which A, you hope to, you know, to bring to the table and again, B, expand, as we discussed earlier, expand your program to almost like a national, a, a really a national basis? The programs are definitely national uh, now. Um, the foundation is very much a, a national foundation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'll keep innovating and finding ways to bring joy to kids who are ill and, and get access to kids, uh, to food for kids who need it. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't, isn't a standstill kind of project. That is something that is kind of changing all the time. So you, I would expect programs to change uh, right along, right along with the world. Now, now, now you spend 50% of your time now as the executive director. Do you see that increasing? I have an incredible team of people who work full-time on the foundation. Um, my, uh, I, I, I think we'll we'll become bigger as we when when we need to be. At the moment, um, I think the team's doing a really incredible job um, raising and and donating money throughout the country. That sounds great. Now, how can people get involved with the foundation, either to donate to it, perhaps to volunteer some of the activities? And do you have need, you know, uh, on an uh, ad need basis or or more consistently for volunteers? So I would I would encourage people to volunteer at their local hospitals and at local uh, local uh, with local nonprofits um, that are focused on things that they really care about. The both areas that we give to do not have like widespread volunteer opportunities um, because they are such so sensitive. Um, but a lot of our funding does go to hospitals, and um, we we definitely recommend people reaching out to their local hospital. Um, people can always make a donation, um, through bringjoy.org, um, as well as looking for programs as they arrive in store in November, 
will have a program um, that people can make a donation and get a icon that they can put up on the wall in the store. Well, that sounds great. Um, and you know, I, I want to thank you and Dunkin' Brands. I mean, most people, you know, they know, you know, the, the old Dunkin' Donuts, coffee, donuts, bagels, etc. But there's much more to the company than that. And uh, you know, what you said today really highlights, you know, what is out there and what can be out there, not just for you know for Dunkin' Brands, but other companies that want to, you know, get involved with uh you know a situation in, in in my case obviously pediatric cancer which is which is certainly a part of what you do and uh, i just want to thank you for for taking the time explaining what you do explaining some of your initiatives and i hope as uh and i hope the thing continue the uh, foundation continues and grows for a very long time thank you mark i really appreciate the work that you're doing and all the volunteering that you do as well i hope you have a great day okay thank you very much Bye-bye. bye bye listening to Carrie's interview, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about some of the programs that Carrie and the Duncan Joy in Childhood Foundation is involved with. Please contact me at puttingforpatients at gmail.com. That's P-U-T-T-I-N-G for the number four, patients, P-A-T-I-E-N-T-S at gmail.com with any thoughts or suggestions that you might have concerning this or any other podcast which you have heard or ideas that you might have for upcoming podcasts. My plan is to publish a podcast each Monday morning, and it will be more than helpful if any of you have a comment which will make these podcasts as informative as possible. I am always looking for people who have experience and passion for this pediatric cancer cause to invite onto my podcast. So please let me know if you have someone in mind that might be interested in coming onto my show. This is Mark Levine. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you have a good day.